Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. But we're ready for the word, I hope. I'm ready to preach it. Um, We're going to our Old Testament again, like similar to last Sunday. Um, I've, I've titled the message 24 hours. 24 hours. But if you see the screen, how many of you know a show called 24? Yeah? So please don't get caught thinking about Jack Bauer and the, all this crazy stuff, the counter-terrorist, all this unit, whatever it was called. Um, but if I asked you, when you think of 24 hours, what do you think of? You'd probably say a day, you know, midnight to 11.59. It's just one day in my life, 24 hours. If you're like me, I feel like 24 hours comes and goes really fast. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, but I feel like the days are long, but the years are flying by now. Um, nevertheless, we've all been given 24 hours. And I don't know if you believe this or subscribe to this school of thought quite yet, but we're going to look at Scripture, and I want to submit to you that a lot can change in 24 hours. A lot can, a lot can stay the same, and that's maybe the often, the mundane, the regular. But how many of you know a lot can change in 24 hours? You know, one of the prayers we prayed is that when people walk in, we don't leave the same. In church, in the house of God. So a lot, a lot can happen in two hours. And we're going to look at a story in Scripture. Let me give you some context first. But um, there's a story with Elisha and the Aramean army where they, they were surrounded by chariots and horses by the enemy, the Aramean army. And Elisha's servant like wakes up and notices this. He's like, oh my goodness, we're going we're gonna to die. And Elisha says, oh, don't worry. There are more on our side than on their side. And so he prays, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And, and then he sees that there's an army behind the Aramean army. Not only that, Elisha then says, Lord, I pray that you would strike them with blindness, this army, that they might not even see. And then he leads them to a place called Samaria. And, and then suddenly they get their eyesight back. This is supernatural hand of God type of stuff. And, and then they realize, they're like, how did we end up in Samaria? And long story short, this is where we're going to pick it up. Um, the king of Israel realizes that they have all these prisoners now that they've captured this army. And he's like, what should we do? Should we kill them? And they said, no, we don't kill the prisoners of war. Um, instead, and we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 6. And I, I want to start right here at verse 23. He says, let's feed them and take care of them. And then we're going to send them back. And so verse 23 of 2 Kings chapter 6 says, So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. But I want to read the very next verse, which is verse 24. And here's what it says. Some time later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. 
As a result, verse 25, there was a great famine in the city. I want to stop there just for a minute. So we started in verse 23 with a feast. And from feast, it's kind of, it seems quick to us because we're reading it, but it says sometime later, now there's a famine. And the famine is there because they besieged Samaria. They were surrounding it, and the people couldn't move freely, couldn't get out. Therefore, they suffered severely from the famine now. And I want to read this next part to you. Right, The question of, well, how bad does it get? The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head, I wish I could make this stuff up, sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung. Modern day translation, poop. Dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. Yes, that's in the Bible. And yes, that's what people were willing to pay. And just to break it down a little bit. So a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver or 80 shekels. Um, about two pounds of silver, just for context. A donkey's head. So what about the poop? <laughs> right? What's the value there? Five shekels or two ounces of silver or 57 grams of silver. People were willing to pay for poop. That's how severe the famine got. They were desperate. Can anyone kind of relate? We hear the word inflation now. And my wife reminds me every time she does groceries. She's like, John, it's bad. It's bad. I eat salad pretty much every day for lunch. And she's like, three, what do you call them? Romaine? Three heads of romaine? It's like $9. And we would buy that, I don't know, two bucks, three bucks. Inflation. So it, it's crazy. But the severity of the famine here in our text is emphasized by the inflated prices charged for these kind of things. Donkey's head, the dove's dunk. So it's pretty bad, right? How many of you know it could get worse? And it does. So listen to this. Um, we're going to continue reading now from verse 26. Here's what it says. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city... A woman called to him, please help me, my lord, the king. And listen to his response. He's the king. The buck stops with him. If the Lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, what is the matter? And I'm so glad he did because we're about to get a real taste of, of how bad things really got. She replied, this woman said to me, come on, let's eat your son today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. But listen, so we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. So I'm glad that part's there because you're starting, I hear the, oh my, like disbelief at the situation this is how desperate people got because the famine was this severe. Verse 30. Now, if you're the king, already he's helpless. He's telling her, what, I can't do anything. If God can't help you, what can I do? Look at verse 30. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in, in despair. And as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to 
his skin. The burlap, just for some context, was a sign of mourning. It was a sign of mourning. Um, it could have been that he was in a season where he's praying for God to intervene. could be that he's just at a helpless state, but basically he's desperate. So he's wearing the burlap under his actual garments. Verse 31, and this is what he says, May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Pretty graphic stuff going on because desperate um, times sometimes push people towards desperate measures. And why Elisha? Why is he saying, I want to basically take his head off? Because Elisha was the prophet, the mouthpiece of God. And if anyone could do something or speak on God's behalf, surely it would be Elisha. All right. And let me give you a little more context. Um, The king's helplessness is powerfully conveyed. He's saying, I don't have anything to help you with. He's he's admitting that publicly now to this woman. He asks her, what's the problem? She's like, you know, eat my son, then we eat your son. She hid her son. She didn't keep her end of the deal. And just as a side note, it wasn't like a religious cult that was practicing child sacrifice. This was sheer survival. They were just saying, how are we going to do this? How are we going to live? And making some crazy decisions about it. What do you do in tough times? I want to ask you this question. What do you do in tough times? Are you like the king? Saying, I don't know. But if there's one person I could blame, I'm going to deal with it. I don't know. What do you do in tough times? Maybe you cry. Maybe you just try to survive, try to last long enough, and hopefully you'll see the tide turn. I'm so grateful that we have a God who could speak into our lives and speak into situations. Can someone say amen? Maybe you've been at a desperate point, but you've heard the voice of the Lord, and and it came right on time and right in the way you needed to hear it as well. I'm hearing amens today. But there are two messages now that we're going to look at. Two messages that come out of this text uh, as we've read it up until now. So verse 32, we're going to pick it up. So we just ended off. The king said, my promise, my vow is I'm going to separate his head from his shoulders for Elisha. Check this out. Elisha, verse 32, was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, I love this, Elisha said to the elders, a murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following him. While Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived, and the king said, all this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? I love it. So that's the first message. It's, and Elisha already knows. And if you read um, earlier on in the chapter, the story, like Elisha would hear conversations and God would allow him to hear secrets that were spoken by the other army. And so it's not uncommon. So here's Elisha, the man of God, saying this is about to happen. And he says it right before it happens. And it's amazing that in all of this, 
there's one plot that the king is saying, I'm going to take him out. But now we're going to hear what God's about to do. And Elisha is the one who's about to speak it. So we're going to look at chapter 7, verse 1. Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, somebody say 24 hours. 24 hours. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, get this, six quarts of choice flour, not just any flour, choice flour, will cost only one piece of silver. Stop for a second. How much did the dove's dung cost? Five. So this would be even cheaper and you're getting far more flour than poop. And 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. Wow. In, in just 24 hours. Verse 2, the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. Got to be careful what you say. Yeah. Your word or God's word? Which word is God going to come through on? His word. His word. That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. Can I stop for a second? Anyone like... I, 1997, the Titanic movie, right? I fell in love with the whole story. I watched it like three times. I think the movie was three hours long. But something about the Titanic always fascinated me as a kid. I'm like, this ship was so amazing, all this stuff. But I remember they said not even God himself could sink this ship. I mean, it wasn't God. They smashed the iceberg. But they only saw the tip. They didn't see what was underneath the surface. But you got to be careful. Got to be careful. Love it. Not even God Himself could sink the ship. In this text, I want to echo a similar phrase that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. This is the. The, the king of Israel's right-hand man, his official, speaking like this. And shouldn't you know the Lord? If you're at that level, that rank, shouldn't you know? And shouldn't you, when the people are in this dire state, instead of being encouraged and hoping in faith that God would come through like he said he will, instead of that, he's saying, even if God opened the windows of heaven, nothing would change. Again, I ask you the question, what do you do in tough times? What do you say in tough times? What are you speaking in tough times? God is still provider. God is still on the throne. God is still good. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And he will supply all of our needs according to his what? Riches and glory, the Bible says. So the first word is, He's going to be a dead man. The second word comes back and says, by this time tomorrow. Which word would you choose? Right? Kill the man of God. You still have people starving and dying. Heed the word of God. And just maybe tomorrow, there's way more than enough. I don't know. I would side on God's word every day. If, if you ask me, that's where I land 100% of the time. 
I also want to point out in verse 32, we see a transfer of power taking place. And if you just read it, you might not catch it. So I just want to share this with you. During the previous siege of Samaria, 1 Kings chapter 20, you could read about it there. It's a different king. I believe it was King Ahab. But during this previous siege of Samaria, all the elders of the land assembled around the king. Around the king. They were with who? One, two people. They were with who? The king. Some of you are maybe trying to like follow. Just hear it. Catch it. They were assembled around the king. Now, in a certain way, like a variation, if you will, of that picture, we see the elders gathering at the house of Elisha. And so true leadership was acknowledged to lie not with the king now, but instead with the prophet. And the elders of Israel are at Elisha's house. Interesting to note. And the king remains nameless throughout the text, as though his identity is not important. And so I think it tells us of where the king was at versus where Elisha's at. And so the elders are with, so there's a transfer of power to say the king's lost it. He's already mourning and he's wearing burlap. But here's Elisha, the man of God, who's striving to do everything right according to who? Not man, but God. And so man says, I have an issue with you because of what's going on. And God is saying, by this time, tomorrow. Isn't it amazing, though? If you stop and think, because I'm trying to think, why would the king be so angry? And, and here's just some food for thought. We know Elisha had power to warn against the Aramean invasions. He did it in the beginning of chapter 6. Why didn't he prevent it this time from being besieged? Why? He didn't. He also had power to multiply oil and bread. You can read about the miracles that God used him to perform. But he didn't do it to prevent the starvation this time. So maybe the king was like, I've had it with you. And maybe he felt like Elisha was picking and choosing his battles. But that's not how God works. Amen? We don't understand all of his ways. But we can heed his word and believe in faith that he can do what he said he can do. And so Elisha now, in the face of basically you're going to die, and he already had that word of knowledge saying there's a guy coming for my head. Now he's saying, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be able to buy tons of flour for dirt cheap. You're going to be able to buy the barley dirt cheap. How many of you would like that kind of a word? And I'm not prophesying about Toronto in November 20 of 2022, but here's what I will say. If God did it once, can't he do it again? I don't know. Instead of us just complaining, can we say, Lord, I trust that you will supply all of my needs, that you've always given us enough seed, that you don't leave your children begging for bread, like David said in the Psalms. I believe it with my heart. Here's what I do want to say, though. You also have to be a wise steward with your finances. That if people sense there's going to be drought, they they start preparing for it ahead of time. And so I just want to throw this out there. I'm not thinking of anyone. But if you're accustomed to ordering Uber Eats all the time because maybe cooking is not your thing. and, And it's just so much easier to whip out your phone and just order a meal. Like what you're paying 50 and $70 for, you could do in a quick trip to the grocery store and provide a meal for your whole entire family for 10 bucks. 
and feed your family five meals then for 50 bucks. Desperate times call for desperate measures sometimes. And you just have to remember, it might just be for a season. But God can't bless our stupidity. I'll say it like that for some of us that needed a little more. Mm. And so may we be good stewards. It takes planning. You can ask my wife. Don't ask me. I'm guilty that she says, you don't understand what it means nowadays to do the groceries and to plan for the meals. I'm guilty of it. I'll be very honest. But we cook our meals. I bring my lunch to work 99% of the time. Why? Because things are expensive. And I got to be wise with what God has entrusted to us. So some of you, that's the word you needed to hear. And I'm not Elisha. I'm not claiming to be a prophet. I'm, I'm just saying we got to be careful and we got to be good stewards. And everybody said, amen, amen or ouch. Amen. Both are appropriate, I think. And so Elisha now has this word from the Lord. Elisha has this word from the Lord. By this time tomorrow. In other words, in only 24 hours time. Food will be so plentiful that prices would have dropped dramatically. And I'm so grateful for this story. I think it, it's there in scripture to minister to us thousands of years later. Maybe in an economy that we find ourselves in today. If God is not our help in such times, there is no help at all. And that's boring from the king's words. I can't help you. If God's not going to do it, I can't help you. So let me break down what the, what the new prices look like, right? 7.3 liters of choice flour will cost one shekel. One shekel. Dove's dung was five shekels. Flour, one shekel. Way cheaper. I would give me the flour over the poop any day. I'll take it. But the objection is so real. This couldn't even happen. This couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. When I read something like that in scripture, that tells me this person has no idea what God can do. And may we be people of faith. And may we speak not on what we see and understand with our mind but on the ability that our Heavenly Father, who can provide everything and anything, what He can do. That's what we should choose to speak. Even It doesn't mean we ignore facts and reality and we live in la-la land. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in the face of the facts, we choose faith. Faith over facts. Which means I've, I'm a good steward, I count the cost, I know where we're at, but... If faith is the order of the day and I need to step out on faith, I step out on faith, not on facts. And it's important that we understand that. So Elisha tells him, so, right, he, he's like, God, even if the windows of heaven are open, he can't do it. You know what Elisha tells him in response? Oh, you will see it happen with your own eyes. Be sure of it, but you will not get to participate or partake in any of it. So there was a stern rebuke and judgment. We're going to get to how that happens in just a second. But somebody say 24 hours this morning. 24 hours. God can turn it around in 24 hours. 
That's all. That's more than enough time. 24 hours. Some of you are thinking it's going to take a lifetime. It's going to take 10 years. I'm not just speaking about grocery pricing. Don't, don't limit God to just that. But I'm saying in whatever you're believing God for, what He's spoken in your life, it doesn't have to take forever. I realized in life, if it's taking a long time, don't blame God. Look within. Israel had to wander around the wilderness because God needed to take Egypt out of their heart. He needed to make sure that they were dependent on Him. And so the process, though it was a short journey to the promised land, took years. Because He said, my people need to learn. They're still thinking like slaves, but I've set them free. But they're still thinking like slaves. So He said, they need this time. And I got to take Egypt out of their heart. So if something is taking long, don't say, God, where are you? I thought, fill in the blank. God is never late. He's never too early. He's always right on time. And if you feel like it's taking long, I just want to submit to you this morning. Just say, Lord, search my heart. And if it's me, put the finger on it. Put the finger on the thing, on the area, on the thought, the mindset that is keeping me here and holding back maybe your blessing and your direction, your provision in my life. 24 hours, God can turn it around. We sang it this morning. And worship team, um, soon I'm going to ask you to come back. But we sang it. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. So are you ready for the last part of this story? Because he's going to take, God's going to, because the question now is, okay, how God? In just 24 hours, my question as I was reading the story and studying was, and I've read it before, but as I was revisiting it, it's like, how? How God? How does this happen? How do you make this happen? And my Bible, chapter 7, verse 3, there's like a subtitle over this section. And I want to read it to you. It says, outcasts visit the enemy camp. And when it says outcast, it's talking about four men with leprosy. Because people with leprosy were considered outcasts, unclean. They couldn't uh, be integrated with society. And so, you know, scripture as a headline, it's not misappropriated. That's in that culture. That's who they were. They were outcasts. But here's their school of thought. They're basically saying If we stay here, we're going to starve and we're going to die anyway. Pretty logical, right? There's no food. The conditions aren't changing. If we're staying at the gate right here, we're going to die and starve. Die of starvation, excuse me. But then there's this thought. But if we surrender to the Aramean army, just maybe they will let us live and then we'll actually be able to eat some food. Right? It's very logical. So what do they do? Right? And they say, well, if we get there and there, they plan to kill us. Well, we would have died of starvation anyway. So, right, what do we have to lose? Let's go. And so that's exactly what they do. You can read the whole story, but I'm going to jump to uh, verse 5 of this portion of the scripture, chapter 7 of 2 Kings. Here's what it says. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp... No one was there. Hmm. 
Why? Verse 6, For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us. They cried to one another. So, so they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. Worship team, if you could make your way now, quickly. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, verse 8, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. But my friend, here's verse 9, and I feel like all of this message was to get to verse 9 for you to hear this outcome. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. They said, guys, this is good news. It's a day of good news. We can't keep it to ourselves. And they, they feared that if we did, something would happen. God would strike us dead because this is too good to keep to ourselves. 24 hours earlier, though, there's two women saying, let's eat our children. Don't forget that part. We've moved on to the good news and we're like, yeah. 24 hours earlier, it was, we're going we're gonna to die. So let's do whatever we can to survive as long as we can, even if it means eating our own children to survive. But God, but the word of the Lord said, by this time tomorrow, 24 hours, everything's going to be flipped around. There's going to be more than enough. And the inflation that you saw with your own eyes, it's going to be removed. So, I want, I want to get to this other part because, well, what about the guy who said, the official, who would see it but not experience any of it? So I want to just continue reading a little more. It's a day of good news. It's a 24 hours. It's a day of good news. Day of good news. God can flip your situation around just because he chooses to. It's up to him, not me. God can do the impossible. It's a day of good news. And they said, listen, we can't keep this to ourselves. we got to tell other people so that they could experience it too. So um, I want to continue reading at verse 16. It says, so just let me fill in the gap first. I'm getting too excited. So they go back and they're sharing all of this, everything that happened. And they don't believe it. The king himself says, oh, no, 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 no. I think it's a trap. I think the Arameans kind of withdrew a little more and they're hiding out further back and when we show up to their tents thinking it's empty and they're raiding our tents that they're going to show up and then they're going to catch us that's what the king was thinking so they say let's send some scouts first that's a wise plan let's send some scouts and they say actually no there's no one here and everything was left perfectly like set up not destroyed, nothing on fire, perfectly. And verse 16, we're going to read this last part. Then the people of Samaria rushed out 
and plundered the Aramean camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as who promised? The Lord. Just as the Lord had promised. The king appointed his officer, this is our character, our friend, who said even if the Lord opened all of heaven, he couldn't do this. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. Eesh. He saw it with his own eyes, but he didn't live to enjoy the blessing of God. I'm not pronouncing death or anything. I'm just saying, whose side are you on? Maybe you've had doubts about God's ability. Maybe you said, well, it's been so long. I've seen this happen and I lost this and I've lost this. And I've seen, I've heard the testimony of how he's done it for other people, but I don't know. I want you to know God's faithful to his word. And if God said it, He'll do it. And if he said something that I need to do, guess what? I should do it. I got to do something. And today I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we close this service. I just, I needed to like conclude the story. So when Elisha says you wouldn't experience, you'll see it, but you won't get to enjoy it. He died, but he definitely saw it. He saw God do what he said God couldn't do. This morning, I wonder if there's anyone here with doubt, and I'm not here to say like, shame on you, but I'm here to say, maybe God wants to show you that He can do what only He can do. The very thing that you said, God, you can't do this for me. Just maybe He's ready to turn it around. Just maybe, I, I'm not God, I'm just saying maybe. I know God, I've seen God move. He's too good. He's too good. God shows up. Not the way I think He needs to. The way He needs to. The way He knows best. Not in the way I think. And as we close this service today, we're, yeah, we have coffee with the pastor. We have opportunity to give of our tithes and offerings. We're going to put on the screen at the end of the service. But just for a moment... If you could turn your seat, your pew, wherever you're standing, into an altar and you just begin to believe God and take Him at His word, I'm going to ask the team if we could sing the bridge of that song. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. And, and some of you, you know, when I sing this song, and I know my wife, I see her hands, we worship, you know, not because we're Italian, but we're expressive in our worship, but people do this. As a, as a symbol of what God can do in what's unseen for us. I've seen people go like this. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it around and they physically turn around and maybe you've, you've gone, oh, they're so silly. They're, they, they're acting like kids. Or maybe they just believe God so much that they physically say, God, you're turning things around in my life that I don't care who thinks I'm being ridiculous with my actions, but I, I'll take you at your word today. 
And this morning, I'm not here to tell you, everyone, you got to spin around like this. I'm here to say, posture yourself in such a way that if you are believing God to do something, I believe it. It's not 24 hours. It's whatever God's time clock looks like for your life. But I know he can turn it around. The same God who did it for Israel is the same God who's able to do it for his people today in 2022. Amen. So let's sing this as our declaration. Oh, yeah. Come on. You take, you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good, you turn it for good, yeah. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good, you turn it for good. Sing it, church, what? You take what the enemy provision I just would you slip your hands I want to pray I feel that there's a, a faith in the room to access all of God's resources and I, and I want to qualify that statement 
There's a story that Jesus shares in the Gospels, and the story goes like this. It's the story of the prodigal son. He goes, hey, Dad, I want my inheritance ahead of time. He takes it. He leaves. He lives foolishly, and he squanders. He, he lives wildly, and he's got lots of friends, but then as the money disappears, the, so do the so-called friends, and, and they get to this point, and the son is feeding the pigs and the pods. He goes, man, th this food actually is appealing to me at this point. He's in a season of lack, confused as to the servants in my father's house have even more than enough. What am I doing here? And he said, I'm just going to go back and repent and, and tell my dad I'm sorry for thinking I was all that. And he said, I'm going to ask if I could just be the, the servant. And it says, even while he's afar off, the father was waiting and watching and ran to him, which was not customary in that day for the father to run to the son. But he did, and he embraced his son, and he said, my son who was dead is now alive. He was lost, and now he's found. But I, we know the story, but there's the other son, and there's some deep truth here. The, the other son never left home, was faithful, and worked hard, and he gets very jealous because he goes, why are you going to throw this big feast and this big party for this guy who wasted your money on wild living, and now he's come home? Like, you should make him the servant or the slave. But this is what the father says to that son. He says, son, everything I have is yours. It's been yours all along. In other words, you have access to the resources of heaven. Did you hear what I said? You have access to the resource of heaven. And, and let me draw it right back to the cross, because this is where we gain the access. The Bible says when Jesus hung on the cross and died for the sins of the world, that the veil in the temple, by the way, it was four inches thick, four inches thick, and it was ripped from the top down. It was very high, so no man could go up there and try to break this down and rip it apart. But it is symbolic of the access that you and I have been given. So Jesus dying on the cross, the book of Hebrews says, as a result of that, we can enter boldly into the throne room of, Jesus, of, of God. Boldly into God's throne room and ask whatever we need. We've been given full access to the resources of heaven. So by saying that, I say it like this now. We're living under an open heaven. We don't have to pray to God to say, Oh, rend the heavens and come down. God, open up the heavens. No, he's already done it. We are his sons and daughters, and he's saying, everything I have is yours. He's not withholding. So we have to ask. And that's why I said, if, if that's you today, you're believing God for supernatural provision. He's, he's the same God. The same God. So would you slip your hands? I know I shared a whole story, but if that's you again, slip your hand up today. And I believe that there's faith in this room that is going to be activated. And, and we're going to see supernatural provision today in Jesus' name. God, I thank you today.
that you are the miracle worker, you're the, the provider, and Lord, you are the ultimate source of everything that we have. Father, I know that you can't bless our stupidity, but you can show us and help us. And then, Lord, you can multiply whatever it is that we do have. And so, Father, today I pray for a multiplication of resources, just like the boy who all he had was his lunch. And Jesus, you were able to feed thousands of people with multiple baskets left over. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that you are. That's the kind of God that we're praying to today. And God, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so Lord, I pray for a release of supernatural provision for your children today. Lord, this is biblical. This is not name it and claim it. This is a part of your nature and character as provider. And so, Father, would you provide for your children? You see every hand outstretched, and that's an act of faith to say thank you for the open heaven. And now we're asking for the rain to come. We're asking for the rain to come, Jesus. And so, Lord, let it be according to your plan, according to your way, according to your will today in the name of Jesus. And just before we close the service, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never with your mouth asked Him to be Lord and Savior of your life, my friend, just like in our story today, this is good news. And, and we can't keep it to ourselves. The Bible says Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And all we have to do is repent of our sins and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says we will be saved. What does that word saved actually mean? Well, it means that I no longer identify with the life I was living and the sin that I was in, but that he's placed my feet on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And so my future, when I say future, yes, the rest of your days on earth, but your eternal life is secure in Christ. And the Bible says when you die, you'll either, you, you'll live in eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And I want to just dispel this one little cloud that someone might have today. You might have this question of why would a good God send people to hell? And I'll say, no, 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 that's, that's not how it works. God loved you so much, the Bible says, John 3, 16, that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life with Him, not in hell. So God doesn't send people to hell. People choose in this life the outcome. And Jesus Himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus really paved the way for us. So it's not that God is sending people to hell. People choose that outcome when they reject Jesus Christ as the way. And so today, if you're here and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're watching online, I have good news for you. Today is your day. Today is your day. And so here's what I'm going to ask. If you've never, or there's not a day, where you remember asking Him to come and be your Lord and Savior. Not if you've prayed this last week and you've sinned and you've messed up. No, no, no. Then get right with God, repent, and continue on the journey. But if you've never 
prayed and asked him to be Lord. This is your moment. And without any hesitation and delay, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying with. One, two, three. I see that hand at the back. I see this hand. Is there anyone else in the room? In Jesus' name. If you're watching online, you could put a hands up emoji. We're gonna we're gonna lead in a prayer. And it's it's not a formula. It's just the Bible says when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and you believe it in your heart, you will be saved. So I'm just gonna help you pray. So if you have your hand up, you pray this with all of your heart, and I'm gonna ask the rest of the room, would you pray? And those watching online, say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am but I thank you that you're not leaving me just as I am I repent of my sin and I confess Jesus Christ is Lord and now the slate has been wiped clean and I will never be the same again and so I give you my life my past, my present, and my future. And I choose to live only for you today and every single day that you give me. I thank you for my future. And I thank you for the eternity that I'm going to spend with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Can we give God glory for those who received Christ today? Real quick, for, for those of you that lifted your hand, um, our blue connect card is, is useful, but it doesn't have a checkbox yet that says, I decided to follow Jesus. So I'm going to ask that you would still take it though, fill it out, hand it in at guest services out in the foyer, and when you do, just let the person know who's there. Say, I prayed the prayer for salvation today. And, and I know that uh, we want to follow up. We're going to send you an e-gift in your email inbox. And number one, fill out the card. If you're watching online, it's important that you um, click the digital connect card and fill out the form. There we have the checkbox for you. And we'll follow up accordingly. And then secondly, it's very important find a church that you can call home that you belong to and that you show up and you want to be invested in those are the two things are, that are very important and then keep showing up in jesus name i'm going to close this off in prayer but i want to remind everyone um, for our tithes and offerings we have an opportunity to give if you are a guest today i don't want you to feel um, any pressure to give we're not here to manipulate a moment or a situation. Um, it's not who we are. It's not who God is. Um, but we do believe that as Christians, it's our responsibility to be generous. And that the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when we give, we don't do it begrudgingly, but we give with a cheerful heart. And so today, again, if you're a visitor, we're glad you're here. Don't feel like this is for you. But at the same time, if you want to give, even if you are a visitor, we're not excluding anyone. You're more than welcome to participate. So there are digital ways you can give on the screen. If you want to give, check. Um, make sure it's written out to Weston Road Pentecostal Church or cash. You can do that straight at the end 
um, at the back of the room right here. Wasn't it good to be in church today? To welcome a new worship team member. Where's Jeremiah? Right there wanting to play. Come on. Let me, let me pray for us as we leave this morning. And we got coffee waiting for our newcomers to Weston. Last six months, you join us for coffee. Father, we thank you today. God, I thank you that your word never fails. God, you, you back up your word. And this morning, Lord, it's no different. And so, Father, I thank you for every person who's heard the word, but who's received it in their heart. And, and God, I pray that it would take root now. Lord, what an encouragement that within 24 hours, there's no telling what you could do. And so, Father, how dare we speak a negative word against what you have already said? And so, Lord, if you're speaking, may, may you give us ears to hear, but then faith to act. It's not just in the hearing, but then in the obedience to what we're hearing you say. And so, Father, would you have your way in us and through us? I thank you for every person here. Bless the, the fellowship time as we meet some newcomers to Weston. God, I thank you what you're doing in families and in people's lives here at Weston. Lord, I thank you that you're taking the gospel outside the four walls of this building and into our workplaces, into our schools. And the kingdom of God is being established here in the city of Toronto. And so this is a day of great news. And God, we continue to have faith that you are with us. No matter what we see with our eyes, no matter what the media tells us, Father, we thank you that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And so, God, we choose to partner up with you, to hold hands with you through every situation. And God, we are better because of it. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Bless the week in front of us now, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. And the church says amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. And we say this at Weston, though the service is over, you say, church is not. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Looking forward to meeting some of you for coffee through these doors. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.